0: Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives, hosted by Jaima Black. No
1: RSVP required.
0: So welcome to Chicago Athletic Association here. We are here tonight for our live panel event. Activating an independent agency, activating an independent creative agency, even. Um, my name is Hyman Black. I host Dynasty Podcasts. We are the first ever and longest-running music podcast in the city of Chicago's history. Uh, you can find us online at DynastyPodcasts, with an S at the end.com. More interesting than me, though, we have an incredible panel tonight. Really great speakers, and again, thank you to everybody who's here in the room tonight. So, uh, going down the line, we have uh, Niall uh, Shahadi from Cake, And again, these are all independent agencies, so let's give it up. Chris, uh, I can see her. Am I getting that right? Okay, Uh, from Some Odd Pilot. And Stephen Walsh, I know I got that one right, from Lucid Creative Agency. Um, And I know I just introduced you guys, but that's just the very surface level. Uh, Let's have each of you guys talk about kind of who you are, what you do, what your role is as a marketer and a creative. Hello, how
2: are you? Uh, my name is Niall. I am a creative, and I happen to own a creative agency as well. Um, started the agency a couple years ago, uh, focusing more on the music business, and we transformed into focusing more on, on small businesses and big businesses. And I'm in the music business as well. I'm in a band called Drama. And I'm an entrepreneur. I own other businesses, and my my creative uh, um, agency services my businesses as well. So they work hand in hand. So that's essentially what what the vision was to open up agency, open up a business, and have my businesses work with my agency. And that's that's basically it. <laughs> There's more detail, but you know.
1: I um, mean, yeah, I'm Steven Walsh again. I started my company, Lucid Creative Agency, about three years ago. We actually acquired a sole proprietorship, and that's really how we got our adventure started. So I had a, uh, a best friend from high school who was in the realm of music journalism. Um, he was getting some, some work all independently, started off doing a lot of music videos, a lot of coverage for events and concerts and i had more of a business background so i jumped on board and with another individual we started a company uh with the gear of of branding businesses both small and large and then putting emphasis not only on music but education um, so started off doing a few smaller independent businesses and since then we've uh we've grown to a nice uh, array of nonprofits, education organizations, um, some bigger brands, some more well-known brands and still working with our original base of small businesses.
3: yeah and um, I'm Chris Eikens here. Uh, I'm the creative director and the founder of some odd pilot. Uh, some odd pilot started as a record label actually in 1999. I was I've always been in bands as well so that's kind of the common theme here I guess. Yeah, and that, that grew out of that into um, a bigger agency with uh, clients like Patagonia, Saucony, Second City, a lot of outdoor apparel brands, uh, uh, very brands that are very conscious about their about culture and design. We branded Pitchfork back in 2004, and that kind of opened the door from doing a bunch of album covers and posters to working with uh, with bigger companies.
0: And you know, I th- I think you guys have started to answer this already, but if if somebody asked. What is the specialty of your agency? How would you guys each kind of define your point of differentiation or what you're best at?
1: Um, I think we'll, we like to brand ourselves as as a bridge between business, education, and creativity. Uh, we're a really young organization. Um, average age of our team is about 26, um, and we're very diverse. So a lot of our market, a lot of our marketing and branding is the fact that we come from very different walks of life. Um, and we're really trying to to bring our creative ideas to life through strategic execution.
3: Um, yeah, some odd pilot. Uh, I would say our specialty really is uh, being really c- sensitive to cultural arenas and trying to put our brands into um, a place of cultural significance and really kind of having a, a more generous relationship with an audience or a consumer. I think a lot of it comes from our background in music and just kind of Understanding that uh, in order to really have a relationship with an audience, you need to be generous. And there needs to be a lot of give and take. And I think that's an important part of the modern landscape for brands.
2: I wanted to bring high level design to small mom and pop shops. Um, I feel like a lot of mom and pop shops don't have designers that they can rely on or have the high level quality. My thing, my, my vision is, to is and still is, it's almost like that H&R block feel, like you can get your stuff done correctly and get it done right, but like on a design side. So I mean like we design people, we, we design with like Comcast, I design for like the Tribune, we do social media management, so basically like having that, that high level young creative, like everyone, under, everyone in my company is under the age of 26. So that's, like I aim for that. So I'm always looking to like educate, mentor, push, push that level of design, you know, um, but still operate independently because my clients like to call me like directly. There's no like, hey, John's gonna call you, but no, it's like you're gonna call my my phone and you're gonna give me on the line, or you're gonna get the president of the company, which is right here. Um, she would basically answer the phone or whatever it is, but it's direct connection. So high-level design, direct connect. There's no big corporation, so that's how we have to operate. So,
0: so for each of you, how did you, and again, I think we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but like, how did each of you really start taking those initial steps to actually building your own business? Because that's an enormous undertaking. So how did that idea come together? And then what were the actual initial steps that had to happen to make this a reality?
2: When you start a business, I mean, essentially it's scary, but the scariest part is just actually doing it, you know, and then after that, I mean, you're going to, Can we swear here or no? Yeah. Okay. So like, you can fuck up. You can do, you know, things that like are not gonna be right. But the whole thing is about just keep going, pushing, making things happen. I mean, I own, I have 38 employees. I own five businesses. So it's, it's just you just have to do it. You're gonna fail. You're gonna screw up. It's, it's a part of the process. But it's about just pushing, doing it. Once you do it, like we just opened up a business for this guy in California zero restaurant um, experience, but he was willing to do whatever it takes. If you're willing, you're gonna make it happen. I, I can't see anyone really failing if you just wanna do what you wanna do, you know? If you wanna make it happen, you're gonna make it happen in the, end the day, so that's essentially what, what it really is. Like when I opened my businesses, I, was, I started a restaurant business like six years ago, and didn't know anything, but I figured it out. I stayed there, I, I, I put the hours in, um, I did whatever it took, and if you, if, if you have that mentality of keeping it, like, well, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that this is going to work, it's going to work. You know, you can't think about the failures as much as, as the wins. So like, I think about the wins always, like, what do I have to do to make this work? How am I going to evolve? Who am I going to hire? But I go through problems every day with employment or whatever it is, but your problems come, come last and their problems come first. So like, I'll have the worst day of my life. But after, like, I have to walk in and be like, "Oh, how's how's everybody doing? What's what's going on?" You know, because you have to have that that passion and mentality and that drive to push everyone else to make sure that that they're able to do the best job that they can do at the agency as well, or whatever that you're doing. You know.
0: Well, and just to just to kind of touch on that for a second, like if you're in charge of a team and you're heading up a concept, they're definitely looking at you. So even if you are having a bad day, yeah. they need to see your example of being like, "Hey, we're getting this done. This is happening." Otherwise,
2: but, but follow. but up. you'd be surprised. I'm still learning this too, so it's it's an everyday thing. Um, it's just like be able to separate those two things. I'm getting better at it every single day, but separation is key, and when you're an entrepreneur, you are not allowed to have feelings. You're not allowed <laughs> to have issues. I mean, they, they might disagree with me, but that's fine, but I, I personally think that you cannot have you can't really have an e- you can't really have anything kind of going on. It's really about your squad and your team and your clients. They're number one. You come number two. So
3: yeah, yeah. I would I would totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you guys agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, when I, I think we something in common we all have is starting pretty young at this. I was 25 when I started some odd pilot, but I'm now the old man up here. Um, I'm 44, but. Um, It was 20 years ago, but at that time, in my head, it was very much about me and my my talent and something that I wanted to do. Which that's kind of useful at first, you know, because it gives you a focus. I think that's one good thing about um, that kind of self awareness or self centeredness. Um, You know, I, I had that focus, but definitely like. The lessons I, I learned as uh, I added employees and the business grew was that this is not about me. And I had, my, my business partner was really the first to kind of look at me and say, like, every time somebody brings you an idea, you tend to say no. And then five minutes later, you're listening. Why don't you just start listening from the beginning and skip the no part? And it was a, it was a big moment for me to, to kind of grasp this idea, um, the skills that kind of Helped me define what I do and who I am. That's fine, but that's not going to be the same skills that are required to lead a bigger group of people. Hundred percent. You know, you need that selflessness. Definitely. You need. You should. You, you are in service. Like you know, they they say you serve serving as a privilege, and so or and, and leading is a privilege. So if you are in charge, you you're supposed to eat last. I think that's like kind of a army, army yes. the yes. army rule. One hundred percent. Yeah.
2: As a boss, I mean, hundred percent. Like. You, they come first everyone come, comes first if you want to lead the, the, this is what it takes to be that leader You know is to be able to be yeah that person, you know, I
3: think I think the small businesses I, I think small businesses are, tr- are tricky especially if you're going to go to work for one Because that culture is all about that those guys and gals at the top they really set the tone and that the their their beliefs their values their behavior is going to reflect in everything that happens inside that environment. And so it is really important to be mindful, be thoughtful. Um, you have to make room for everybody on that team. Everybody has to feel the ownership that you also want to feel. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, to, to complement what they were saying, in terms of preparation for a company, I think you could look at it a lot of different ways. I think it's really arbitrary you know, once upon a time, because I think there's always cause and effect, and there's always things that lead to that once upon a time. So, for me, when I really think about when I started my business, I was a seventh grade math teacher out of college, but I've been a hustler all my life. So, you know, really, I've been selling cigarettes on the train in high school, selling my oh. old video games in, in middle school and always looking for an opportunity since I was a kid. That's just the way I was raised. And I think teachable moments can come in all different shapes and sizes. You know, as a teacher, I learned how to manage. You know, if you can manage 17-year-olds, 13-year-olds, you can manage adults because cognitively they're developed. And, and if they're not on the same wavelength, then you might be managing the wrong person. Um, so I'm really big on that when it comes to team. You know, I work as a facilitator just like I did as a teacher. I'm not going to I'm not going to sh- hold your hand and show you step by step, because I don't think that's really the way to learn. If, when I needed to learn how to swim, someone pushed me in. And you know it was rough, but I internalized it. And I had to think on my feet. You know, Being a hustler when I was younger helped me with sales. Being a teacher helped me manage my team. So I think it's about finding that team that complements you as a leader. I always like to reference you know, a company. Is like, it's like starting a war, and you're having an army. Um, and I think an effective army has a lot of different types of weaponry. You have your archers, you have your on foot soldiers, you have, your, um, you have you know, those with, with motion. And it's really about finding that complete team. And a lot of the issues that I had when I started my company was trying to teach my archers how to swing a sword and trying to teach my swordmen how to shoot an arrow and bow, shoot a bow and arrow. You know, I was good at sales and I was trying to make my editor learn how to get sales when in reality I should have focused on being the better salesman and let my editor be the best editor that he could be. So I think it's about dealing with the cards you're dealt, figuring out what's needed in terms of resources and and being bold and, and decisive and going out and getting them. Well
2: said, man.
0: For you guys now, what are some of the skill sets and even when you started, what are some of the skill sets that you found to be really Necessary to, to operate your own agency and, and to be able to activate a campaign and, and be in charge of people? Like, What do you need to have? Passion.
2: I think that's the biggest thing. If I'm willing to work with you if you're willing to work with me and willing to really do whatever it takes because I was an intern at one point and I did the bullshit work and I've been ripped off before and I've done things and, you know, and if you're passionate and you're, you, you don't get jaded by, you know, if someone says no to you, you figure out a way for them to say yes, or on to the next person, or whatever it is. But passion is the most important thing. If you're passionate, you are going to win in life, 1,000%.
1: Also, I think uh, being dynamic. I think when you start an organization, you, you know, unless you have the resources fully at your hand, which you know, I, I haven't heard that often, um, you know, you got to work with what you have. I had a team of highly skilled photographers. So, I used the photo as my entry into the business, and from there, I was able to meet other individuals that complemented our services, tap into those um, but I think it's it's having preparation and and also knowing when to say no, really thinking about what is the best what is the best move for your company and trying to make sure you stay focused on making that move happen there's going to be other moves there's going to be other opportunities but Time is something that you can't waste, and and if you live each day to the fullest, and you really uh, use your resources to the fullest, things happen quicker.
3: Jeez, um, I would say, like letting your freak flag fly is a big one. You know, like whatever it is that that weird stuff that you're into, or that that passion that you have. I think it, it is about passion, because like what you know, you harness that. Like whatever your interests are, you you go with that. If you're you know, I was in the bands, so I wanted to work on music. Music was my passion. And I, and through that, I had no idea that um, global brands wanted to talk to the same people that musicians talk to. And it came up as a complete surprise, but because I, I had my head down working on music industry work for the first five or six years that I was in business. And yeah, I think having that point of view, you know, really having that, um, having empathy and being a good listener. So whether it's a client or whether it's the audience that you're trying to make work for, you have to treat these people with the same, the same interest and the same empathy that you would have for anyone else in your life. And you want to, you got to give them something that's meaningful. And that a lot of that is driven by, by passion and just by listening and seeking to understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and something interesting that I'm hearing uh, kind of again and again, and Steven, you really vocalized it, is that, you know, you start out with your photo skills, right? Like that was what you had at your disposal. And I feel like there's a lot of value in that because I think anyone in the room might think like, well, I don't know if I could build my own agency or my own brand or my own company. I only know how to do design or I only know how to do music work or I only know how to do video work. I only know how to do one thing. But is that enough to just be good at your specific skill
3: set and then build around that? You just have to know how to bullshit. Well, yeah, I, you, have to, you have to learn quick, you know? I think I, I started also with the, um, as a photographer, and uh, I wanted to make album covers, and I realized I couldn't just take a picture, that I had to lay something out as well. And I, I didn't see a difference between taking a picture and graphic design. I still don't. And I didn't see a difference between doing that and making a music video, directing a music video. I didn't see a difference between doing that and designing a website. I think these things, a lot of them involve the same balance of of elements, of graphic elements, of composition, and being unafraid or um, unwilling to be pegged as a single thing and saying, like, I want to communicate. And I want to communicate for my clients. And if that problem presents itself as something that could be better communicated with a story or a video or a website, interactive experience, I'm gonna be able to, I want to be able to do that. And I don't want to turn it away or think, oh, this isn't for me because I don't know that medium. Like being, I call it being medium fearless. It's kind of a thing. Like just, it doesn't really matter what the medium is. Let's let's figure out the best way to tell the story.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of, of I, I 100% agree with a lot of these projects, They they do have the same elements. And to me, the basic two that are absolutely necessary for effective action is idea, inception, and execution, strategic execution. No matter what it is, you know, all, all, all good inventions start from a crazy idea. But then it takes that crazy idea, refinement, and then it takes strategic execution to get it to come out. Um, I think that's something that's, that's very valuable. I like to, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of panels and podcasts. Um, it's really interesting because I, I just think being here, I remember being on this side, taking notes, and one of the, pod, one of the panels was actually Ford Dynasty um, that I really liked. Someone gave a, a reference to Kanye West, which I was like, "What?" But I really like what he said. And it's you think about Kanye West, and he's really taking over the game right now. He's all over the place, doing all kinds of things. But he started off as a beat maker. He was a producer first. He built his name as a producer. He used the connections as a producer to say, "Hey, by the way, I also rap." And you know, he got a little bit of pushback, but he kept at it. Next thing you know, he's making multi-platinum. Af- albums and after that he was like oh by the way I know fashion and now he's making money in fashion. And sure he probably was rapping and designing and having all of these ideas when he started, but you got to find out what you're good at because I think you get taken less serious when you go up to people and market yourself as a jack of all trades cuz we're looking for experts. You know, when I'm when I have a client that needs a website, I want to make sure they know we have website people. Yes, we have other things, but you know, I want to make sure I, I find what they're looking for, and that's and that's my entry. That's my opportunity. I have other skill sets and lots of other passions that I want to build, but photography was what I could make money on. It's what I can build a brand on. So I found a videographer, and yeah, I learned a lot, but I wanted to make sure that I was marketing his work, and I was marketing her editing, and as a team, we were the collective. But, you know, like I said, I found my skill set, and it wasn't after... I ma- until I mastered it, did I really try to step into a different realm. I didn't try to do it all at once. I'm still not doing it all at once, and I don't really think I ever will.
0: Well, and Chris, you touched on storytelling, and I'm showing restraint by not being like, well, here's the full Kanye story, because that could be a whole different thing. But Chris, you touched <laughs> on storytelling, and yeah. I think storytelling is something we hear a lot of like, well, storytelling is important, but like, it's kind of become a buzzword almost, unless you really sure. think about what yeah. it means. So what role does storytelling actually play in each of your work and your campaigns? And what does that really mean when people say storytelling is important?
3: I, I often think about it as as world building. God, that's another buzzword that's in the uh, comic book movie world right now. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, like building a universe, I think that's something that creatives end up getting really enchanted by, this idea of like setting it all up and having it just so and having it look like this and and it being something that's very immersive and something that people want to enter into and lose themselves into, and that's, that to me is a good story. Like it's, it's about world building, and I think that can happen in a lot of different mediums in a lot of different ways. I don't know. That's I all mean, I have That's a for very me. good answer, so I'm <laughs> going to yeah. leave it at that.
0: <laughs> so looking
3: at being here
0: in Chicago, you know, Chicago's a city that has no shortage of really big agencies. You know, maybe people in here, maybe you work for some of them, you're probably aware of some of them. I mean, like people know the name Leo Burnett, for example. And Leo Burnett, great agency, right? But it's like if you are operating in a smaller scale, maybe you don't have the same size clients. Maybe you don't have like a McDonald's or whoever, right? So how do you kind of operate day-to-day and, and even bigger picture and stay competitive in a city that also has some of these really larger agencies? Like what do you guys bring to the table that, uh, you know, that helps you stand out when there's kind of the bigger fish in the market, to mix metaphors?
1: Um, I, think, I think, again, you know, you know, touching back at, at my idea of like war strategy, you know, we're competing with some of these big empires. And they all started off like us. And I, I think that's, that's what I think of every day. You know, thinking of a Leo Burnett or a Havas when they first started, it was a small agency with a couple of really hungry individuals that had talents that they wanted to use to storytell. And that's not us. And that's, that's not our story yet. Um, I don't even know if that's really where we want to be. At the end, but you know we're small. We're we're small. We're dynamic. We are willing to work with a budget. You know because that's the market entry that we found. Um, you know we don't market ourselves as a giant empire because because we're not. And there's a lot of very successful stories of, of these underdogs of these you know smaller equipped teams. I mean we have less people to feed. We have you know we have less expenses, um, and we use that to our advantage. We work out of a smaller office until we made enough money and we got a bigger office. It's, it's a gradual growth thing. And um, you know, not, not trying to, to bite more than you can chew. That's our niche. And, and that's what we use. So we attack businesses that are looking for us, that you know, wouldn't have the resources or means to go to a Leo Burnett. Startup companies, individual artists, singers, rappers, um, you know, actors that are looking to get their name out. That's who we're using as our, as our pieces for our, for our puzzle. Um, and when the budget's right, then we can, we can upgrade. And, and we are gradually getting there day by day. We have an end goal in mind each year and we kind of work backwards. But no matter what, it's really, you know in terms of storytelling, it's, it's knowing your story. That's first. You have, to have, you have to have a story that's marketable. And in addition, of course, you have to have a product that's sellable. What was the question? <laughs>
2: sorry,
0: um, sorry just, I talk a
1: lot.
3: Yeah. No, no, that was great, man. Yeah, yeah that, that was that's amazing, great. actually talking about like
0: just staying competitive
3: oh, right, in yeah right. a city that
0: has the larger agencies
3: you know i think that's a really great point about the hunger and you know leo Burnett was hungry once um and, I, and that's an advantage that we have as being smaller smaller companies um, we have like we're about 20 people now and the hunger i i want that hunger to be in everyone that works at some Mod pilot because that's a drive right that's um, that's, that's ownership, right the hunger is like ownership and accomplishment and wanting to really dig in and, and, and do the best work and be flexible. Be a good partner to businesses, not nickel and dime yeah. clients. Um, be extremely helpful like find find out the way to do it that makes your client look like they're swinging with a huge baseball bat when um, when they don't have the budget for it, and I think that's something that like good creative can do um, of course. small small companies that are hustling like, like ours. Uh, we can do that, and I think we can run circles around the big guys. And I, I kind of course. take pride in that. Sometimes we, we bid against directly against some of the bigger ones, and um, you know sometimes we come out on top. I think because we have that like more personal, more intimate relationship. We're capable of being on the phone, like yeah. you were saying, um, open
2: seven days a week. My phone's always <laughs> ringing. Her phone's always ringing more right. than mine, probably
3: now too. I'm yeah, to that. texting I'm with clients. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's
2: just it's it's essentially it's like in my case because I, I, I own the biz, I own different businesses is that I know what my clients want and the kind of care that they want and the kind you know if someone answers the phone on a, a Saturday I mean you're like damn like what's up you know like what do you need my clients like that so I treat them the way I want to be treated if when I'm a business owner so, so like if you know if, if I'm example like if I'm calling Yelp for something. Yelp doesn't give a shit about me at the end of the day. I'm one of thousands of people on their list. you know. But with my agency, I have what, 20, 25 clients? They're amazing. I'm able to manage them and that's essentially, first I was like, I really want this to be like a multi-million dollar business and blah, blah, blah. And then after like the years went on, I was like, no, no I, I, I really don't. My employees are happy, I'm happy, my clients are happy. I'd like to keep it small. It's just there's, there's more focus, like they were saying, one on one that's essentially like my my view on it you know being being a business owner has helped me a lot to understand what what my clients want so
3: yeah that's a that's a great point like i when I started some odd pilot with and we had the record label going, I was my biggest client you know and yeah. i was and and that that work taught me like whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we're not doing that yeah. at the expense of that. Like, we've got to take that into consideration because I, and like really understand, like you, you internalize your client's goals. Their problems have to become your problems. And the faster, yeah. you know, the faster you find your way to that. Um, for me, it's really natural. I've always been somebody who picks up other people's problems just kind of in the atmosphere. And I think I think that clients appreciate that, though, because they want to see that, like, you're as desperate to solve that business goal as they are.
2: Yeah, be- being able to do whatever it takes to get the job done, um, that's pretty important.
1: Yeah, and I also think, I mean, you know for all of you out there, think of preference. Um, you know, this is the age of microbreweries. People are drinking less Bud Lights and Miller Lights, and they're looking for something that's Finally. niche, something that's small. Um, you know, not as many people are going to Chili's or McDonald's. They want to go to that boutique restaurant that they feel a partnership with or they feel intimate with and you know that's how we branded ourselves and it's it's been working wonders
0: so you know building off this cuz i think this next question really ties into everything we're talking about for anyone in the room who's maybe considering like branching off on their own being an entrepreneur you know creating an agency any of this kind of thing i think one of the questions would be well i i'm interested in doing this but how do i actually make that first connection with a client how do i actually go turn a contact into a client so you know before you're established, what were some of the early ways that you guys first connected with your early clients and how did you convince them like, hey, I know that this doesn't look like a company yet, but I can actually deliver on this?
2: Coming from the music business, I mean, I've worked with artists like Kanye West, I've worked with artists like Chance the Rapper, I've done a lot of really big records. And so that kind of, it just transcends, ins, you know, into just having to be able to, using, that, uh, using what you know as, as leverage when you go into a client. You know, obviously like, when the client calls me if they need something, they're obviously coming to me for a reason. So there's, you know, they're gonna listen. They're gonna be like open, open ears. It just my, with me, just my experience has has helped me gain a client based on what I've done. So all those like long nights of working, you know, with whoever artist or whatever I was doing and traveling and doing like whatever it takes. That's what kind of got me to where I am right now at, at this point. Sorry for the short answer, but <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know, know how to answer that better than that. So
1: yeah I, I mean to compliment that yeah it's it's using what you have um you know my initial clients were ex-girlfriends friends from high school um, <laughs> you gotta make it work you know i i had, you gotta get in where you fit in and that's just how i was always raised and uh you know and i wasn't ashamed about it i i, I used who i knew because that's what i spent time building my network um and yeah they were just contacts but you know, you gotta learn when to turn it off. A lot of my team are, are my friends, and it's just knowing when to get business. And hey, I wanna talk to you about your business. I wanna help your business grow. These are some of the ideas that I have. I'd love to sit down and, and really see if we can build a game plan for this. And, you know, you gotta be and take yourself serious because if, who else is gonna take you serious if you don't? Um, and, you know, that's just how we started. I went to grad school for education, so I attacked the education market. Um, you know, there are lots of other things I want to do, but this is what I know. This is my world. I'm just a yeah. kid who grew up from South Chicago, so I went for South Chicago Brands. And yeah. from there, I got to different areas of the city, different areas of the world. And it, it's just, you know, you work with the cards you have. And like I said, you try to find another deck to, to get you in a better, more opportune position.
2: And also, uh, one thing is about, it's about elevating the, um, your people around you. So all my employees, I push them. I tell them that they're amazing every single day. I want them to be the best. I want them to to be better than me, you know, and make Same. more money and do and just do better always. So I'm always pushing to make them better. Whatever I can do to help them, because essentially it helps you. I mean, it's you know that's how it is. So if they're gonna do better, you're gonna do even better than that too, as well. So it, it's just about building your building your employees. The most important thing is you have to take care of your employees. One thousand percent. Before you take care of anybody else, you have to take care of your employees. Your team is everything. So I will give them whatever they want. You know, anything that they need. Like we do a thing where we every year we go on a vacation. So we go to Palm Springs, which we're gonna supposed to be going soon. <laughs> um, so it's like one of those. It's just team building. It just it's more than about the business. It's about bonding, understanding each other, um, elevating each other, being positive. You know, every. Every negative, there's a positive side to it. You can look at things in two different ways, and everything, any problem mm-hmm. that you've ever had, there's two ways of looking at it. So, like when a client's upset about something, which we've all had issues before, where they piss off about like this, you guys fucked this up or whatever it is. But there's two ways of looking at it. So that's kind of like what I try to like teach them is yeah. that you know don't take a no in a bad way. Just take it actually as like a learning experience and say, okay, well we fucked up, but how can I fix this right now? You know, and I'm I've been very blessed to have team members that we'll do whatever it takes to make the client happy. There's really no pride or ego when it comes into it. It's like, the client's pissed, let's fix it. Let's move on, let's make sure that this is, a, you know, make sure that everyone's happy at the end of the day. And they're willing to, to do whatever it takes. And that's, when you're hiring people and you want to work with people, is if you can somehow attract those kind of passions and attract those kind of work ethic, that's a very key essential to owning and to, you know, to making sure that your business grows in the, in the right direction because you can you can have one client you can have a, a, a real really good client one day, and then you can lose them the next day. I mean this is just essentially how the business is, so you have to take every client like it's your last fucking client and take care of them and do whatever it takes to make sure they're happy within reason, obviously you know but yeah
3: thinking back to that the the idea of getting something started and then Getting it off the ground in a way when you don't really have a business, but you're trying to pretend like you do, or you're, you know, it's like it might. Like for me, it was just me and my partner for a long time, and and then for a while it was just me. And I remember the first big brand that we worked with um, was Cat Footwear, and like Caterpillar, uh, they make work boots and things. And I remember when they were coming to the office, and I had a couple of uh, friends that had desks at my office uh, because they ran record labels. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I was like, okay, you guys, like, show up at 8.30 tomorrow. Please, please, please. And just sit at your desk and be busy. Look busy. Yeah. So it it just looks like it's more than me and this other guy. And then I remember, too, I had, like, one week before that meeting was going to happen, and I knew we weren't going to get the project unless they came out and saw that, you know, we looked like a real company. And uh, I had to, like, completely do a makeover on the space. I had to knock down a wall and, like, paint another wall and like buy a bunch of furniture and all that kind of stuff and do it in a week because the meeting was happening and I wasn't going to be standing around in this like dirty loft space that, uh, (laughs) that we were sitting in. And I think, you know, I, I think that's, that's, I think what you guys are saying is totally right. Like all of that basically stems from like everyone's sitting in some kind of atmosphere, some kind of social, uh, stratosphere uh, of some kind. And whether it's music or it's sports or whatever, whatever it might be for you, like that passion is going to lead to um, the people that you know and the things that you, the opportunities that are going to be around you. Like whether it's ex-girlfriends or uh, or, or whatnot, um, you you start with what you know, and uh, you know the, it, you're, you're you're naturally dedicated to that thing, and you're going to be there for that thing. You're going to be you're going to show up to be the guy that that someone's looking for to get the job done.
1: Uh, in short, fake it till you make it.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the long way of saying.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're going to do a couple more questions Then I know, like I'm sure people in the audience uh, and wow, there's an awesome crowd here tonight. Legitimately, thank you guys again all for being here. I love this. Um, and I, I'm sure the panelists really appreciate it. So I want to get to your question so you're able to connect with our awesome speakers up here. But kind of going through these last few questions, you know, we talked a lot about how to connect with clients. How do you connect with an audience when you are an independent agency? Like, how do you build that audience? What channels are you using to reach them? And, and how do you engage with, you know, the people you need to see your work? <laughs>
3: That's a good question. Yeah. Should I take it? Are you want Steven? You go. No, you go.
1: Um, yeah, I think it goes back to knowing your story. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, going back to the to the hot word, when you're speaking to an audience, when you're speaking to one person, you know, you you need to have a compelling story, and and that's that's important because that's how people remember you. In addition to the work that you have, you have to be able to relay what makes you you, and a lot of people forget that. Uh, they'll either come in and have a story without the brand. Without the work, or they'll have the work and they won't know how to tell that story. So, whenever I'm talking with an audience, or when I was speaking to students in a class, you know, you gotta hook them. You gotta make sure that you're interesting, you're engaging, you're compelling. You know, look them in the eye, make sure that their movement is receptive and open. And if it's not, then maybe they're not they're not paying too much attention, and maybe it's because you don't have something that's worth paying attention. So. You know, before you get started, slow down and just reflect on what makes you unique. Um, because if you don't have a unique story, it's really hard to be compelling. Well said. Well said.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think connecting to an audience is about going back to your passions and being true to who you are. And I think like for for us, um, a big move that we made in that direction about seven years ago was opening up an art gallery nice. within our own space. and. It's called Public Works, and the idea behind it was, you know, we knew all these these folks who were making um, really great work for skateboards, skateboard graphics, or album covers, or some kind of like or or rock posters. Um, Some kind of like commercialized version of their art was a big part of culture, and a lot of these people are extremely talented artists. And so we we opened the gallery with the intent on putting people like Son and Zimmer and. Cody Hudson and Andy Mueller, and I ended up asking uh, my childhood hero Storm Thurgeson of a design studio called Hypnosis. If you you know his work because he designed the Dark Side of the Moon album cover, nice and House of the Holy. (laughs) What's that? Just Just a little indie record. (laughs) Just a little record. Yeah, and he's probably worked on roughly four to five hundred of like the world's most popular albums and. He was at the end of his life, which, of course, I didn't know at the time. And I asked him if he wanted to do a show at Public Works. Um, and he flew out from London in a, uh, and, and directed the show, hung it himself, and all from a wheelchair while undergoing chemotherapy. And it was an inspiration. I mean, he's always been an inspiration to me. He, he was <laughs> he's a feisty old man, that's for sure and he, he, was, he had my entire office running around doing errands for him within five minutes of being there because this is a guy who moves mountains i mean he uh if you've ever seen that pink floyd album cover where there's 700 hospital beds on a beach in england like this is the kind of guy that gets that kind of work done but yeah like that that can, that brings people into that to our space that allows us to um give something to the community and like and have something, someone like Storm Thorgerson or have somebody, um, an up and up and coming artist, uh, have a show there and really connect with a bigger community and, and I, I want some odd pilot to mean more than, hey, you know we can do this service for you or hey we you know, that's not the way I want to live my entire life. I mean I think that's a, that's a valuable experience as well, but I also think like having something to offer beyond that is really important.
0: Cool. So let's do these next two kind of like lightning round, and then we'll get to questions. Um, You know, something we haven't talked about as much is social media. And I mean, there's, there's a billion discussions about social media, but how important is social media and when is it important and when isn't it important? Because I think we're very much in a world now where like, for a lot of people, the only metric that they're concerned with is your Instagram numbers or whatever. So when is that helpful and important? And then when is it actually not relevant to the conversation? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I can answer. I mean, I can answer a portion of that question. Uh, social media is fucking evil, man. It's, <laughs> it's like you need it, but then it's like you don't. At, at the same time, it's, I mean, all of our clients use it. It's very helpful. It's very important, but you can build without it depending on your product and your brand and what you have to offer. Having a lot of followers essentially does not mean anything, in my opinion. It doesn't mean shit. You can have a million followers. You can have 5,000, you can have 200. I mean, I know people who have 200, fi- 200 followers and they're running an amazing company and they're making millions of dollars. And I know people who have a million followers and are a fucking joke, in my opinion. I know, But it doesn't really mean anything. It's about your product. It's about the quality of your product. If your product is good, it's going to see light. If it sucks, it fucking sucks. And I had a client the other day. He was having a hard time selling one of his products, and he's kind of trying to blame it on the photography. And I was like, "Nah, bro, it's your fucking product. It sucks." I said in a nicer way, obviously. But I was thinking this in my head. Um, his his product wasn't good, and so, so and he wants and he wasn't getting the clicks. And he's like, "Well, when I put this photo up, it gets a lot of clicks." I was like, "Because there's a there's a human in it. Sometimes it needs to have that human like interaction." But in his case, you know, the the product wasn't good. But the point of it is that social media is important, but at the same time, it is not. It all depends on the product and what you're pushing. If people like it, they're gonna click. If they don't like it, they're not gonna click. So that's, you can throw as much money as you want at it. And throwing money at something is not the answer. Not always the answer, sometimes it can be. But for the most part, it, it really isn't. Money does not save everything. It saves maybe like 10% or 20% of the thing. But I think for the, for the majority, it doesn't, it, if you have a good product, it will see light, so.
3: Nice. Social media. Uh, <laughs> social media for me is, is it's tough. Um, I, I don't know, I feel overwhelmed by it personally. Um, it's not something I've ever been able to keep up with, and so if somebody checked my numbers, they're not looking good. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, but see, if but survival it's exactly is based on Exactly, I mean, that, this, is, this is my point. He doesn't care about social media, but look at him. He's, I mean, he's killing it. He's out here, he has an agency, he's talking to you beautiful people. I mean, he's doing well. That just goes back to, to remind us it doesn't, that social acceptance is not really everything, but in terms of advertising, yeah, it right. could help.
3: Yeah, like I wouldn't take too much stock in it on a personal level for, for my, that'd, that'd be my personal recommendation for people, but our clients, there's a lot that you can do with it. And sure, like it's a great tool for getting a message out and getting good ideas out. Um, we develop a lot of, you know, content for social media that I, that I'm really proud of and that I, that I, I, I love the fact that it opens more channels for yeah. photography, right? The Instant content creation video. is very important. Yeah.
2: Sorry, I didn't add that. That's very important. Content creation is
3: the most important thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and yeah, content creation is, is, is key because you're, it gives you a vehicle for ex- for building that world and for expanding, uh, on your storytelling. but. Yeah, I just, I wouldn't put too much stock in the measurement of all of that. And I I, I think, you know, brands can use that as a way to be motivated. But I think ultimately it's about, I think that's what you're saying too. It's like the quality of the content or the quality of the product. The quality of what your message is, is really what matters. And I think focusing on that is far more important. I mean, I think just watching all these famous people have their numbers cleared out yeah, by all I know. these fake it, it was embarrassing. Like yeah. I feel like that's like so rampant. It's unbelievable, and it, and yet well, look, everyone still puts stock into those numbers. But look
2: at Facebook. Facebook is not a social network anymore. It is a advertising company. They, you have to pay money to get your shit seen.
3: I pay. Hello. Paid, <laughs> just,
0: just there you know go, like go ahead, tell you. the last couple panels we've done. Like you know, sometimes we have more people come out at these than others, and you know, it is what it is. And when we started doing these panels here at Chicago Athletic, we were no joke some of our event pages would get, I'm not kidding, like 950 RSVPs. Like, no joke. I mean, it was staggering. And then Facebook changed how they do the event pages. And now it's like we don't reach near as many people because I'm just promoting these independently as one guy with an independent digital media company. And I paid, I think, $10 for a um, Facebook ad for this one. And I didn't know if it would or wouldn't help. And I will say, this is a very good turnout. This is one of our, like stronger turnouts uh, for recent panels. And it doesn't mean that our recent panels have not had incredible speakers on them. It means that Facebook has limited right. how yes. many people are seeing this. And we've started even on our end for these events. I'm starting to use Eventbrite. To, is, did anyone here find out about this from Eventbrite? Okay. that's Even though it's only a small portion of people, we are going to start using Eventbrite a lot more yeah. because we are not reaching the amount of people that would be interested in these talks through Facebook. So, yeah, just that's, yeah, I think, but, very I mean, relevant.
2: It's... it's it's an advertising company. It's, it, I mean, obviously, it's a social network to some degree now, but it's really transforming into something completely different. You have to pay to be seen. Instagram, you That's have true. to pay to be seen. Mm-hmm. You have to pay to be seen everywhere now. If it was about the social network, you have to pay. You, you, would be. You'd be zero. You'd be back to originally what it was. But it's changed. We'd be at MySpace. We'd be at MySpace or whatever the <laughs> hell it is. But it's, you know, it's it's changed and uh, Friendster. And Friendster. See, I told you. <laughs> They're asking me to in the in the Uber. What was the first, like, social network? I was like, this thing called Friendster, I see, it was back in the day.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that's, that's how you know some of us are older,
1: is like, exactly. I'm Friendster. Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah, also to add to it, I made a decision when I started a creative agency. You know, I'm, I'm not an artist. I, I was a teacher, and I was in school for business. So, you know, I came in with the understanding that I'm here to build a business. That's my job. That's my role in the company. Some people on my team are a little more flashy, and, and, that, and it helps, but I'm here to build a company and you know with no offense to social media i care a little bit more about reaching my clients than reaching consumers it's great to have stuff to market but i want to hit linkedin i want to be on hubs to find work i'm hungry and i'm i'm happy to show off my work but i need to get the work first so you know it is an important aspect Um, you know, but I think you got to think about your role and that's just not something that I, I need to handle. So, you know, we have interns that handle it incredibly, uh, it's a younger person's game. It's, it's important, but you know, you really, as, as an entrepreneur or someone that's really making these heavy decisions, you got to think about what you want to do with your time. And, and I'm, I'm too busy thinking about the future than to worry about promoting the past.
3: And I think just really quick, I, I, I do think like that person to person contact, that your, really? is what your business is built on, it's, a built, it's built on relationships and I would give much more of my time, much more of my time to, I mean, a dozen relationships is basically what some odd Pilot is built on and that, that takes a lot more of my time and I'm a lot more interested in that.
2: I'd say, I'd say maybe speaking for uh, all of us is that we've, I built my company off the people I know and yeah. that's how I started. It's just a web, I know a lot of people. and I was like, hey, you need something? Hey, you need something? Here, go, and just start moving the parts around. That's essentially how, how I built the business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, honestly, that's thinking right. back yeah. at it, it's actually 100 fucking percent. That's how I built my business, through people I knew. Businesses, people that I met, and I'm very, you know, I'm very active, and just give them a business card, and tell them how like, you can help them, and that's essentially what I did. And then now they're doing it, and yeah, now they're I, doing a great job at it.
3: I love your focus on, on the people that you work with,
2: I love them. Like that's they're, they're yeah, so cute. Look at
3: them. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm seriously like I, I, I am very proud and very very enamored by the people that work for me and work with me, yeah. and um and as well like uh you know like your your Steven's uh passion about building his business. I mean these are things to to really be thinking about.
2: But um, the key thing, have you noticed? Passionate people. Yeah. We're all very passionate about whatever it is that we're talking about. Building a business social media, whatever it is, you know, that's essentially what that, uh, it, it, it all comes down to that one spark. And then that's the whole tree that grows into, you know, it's, it's that seed. So.
0: so let's, and this has all been incredible. Let's end our portion of this discussion with this question and then we'll open it up to audience Q and A. And again, I appreciate everybody being here, hanging out, like listening to our awesome uh, discussion tonight. So Let's say each of you was starting out today in in July 2018 instead of, you know, whenever each of you did start out, what skill sets would you be focusing on? What industries would you be focusing on? What would you think I need to start doing today if this was a brand new venture for you for anybody in the room who is thinking of starting this today?
1: Save a little bit of money. Uh, You can never go wrong with having a little bit of money. Um, The reason why I'm very big on stressing that is because, you know, I don't like to create to make money. I like to make money so that I could create. So one big thing that changed, because the start of my business, and I don't know if I can speak for many others, but I was broke. I mean, I I thought I saved up enough and I didn't. And I don't think you ever could, you know, double, triple what you think you should save up and get there. Um, And then once I started, Making money on the side, you know, I got people on my team that were doing Uber, some that were babysitting. I was tutoring. I was just doing what I had to do so that I wasn't thinking about money all the time and I was focusing on what I really want to do, reaching those brands. In addition to that, I think you really got to think about your team. If you can do it all, do it all. If there's someone on your team that does exactly what you do, do you really need them? And that's something to ask them as well. Do they really need you? Um, I'm a big fan of having three elements. You need somebody that can connect with people. You need somebody that can sell, and you need somebody that's an expert at making. And with those three, you have what you need to give out an effective product, sell it, and then get more people to buy in. God, that was really good. What were those yeah, three that was things? Great, dude. <laughs> what what yeah. were those three and things? 20G, <laughs> read, a, read a little Malcolm Gladwell; it helps a lot. Once what were in a those while. three things, though? Um, you got to have someone that's an expert with people. You have to have someone that's an expert with product, and you got to have somebody that can sell.
3: Did you make that up
2: yourself?
1: That's pretty good no, I just read a lot' Fucking <laughs> amazing man, I like that
3: thank you
2: yeah,
1: steal wisely though <laughs> yes. yeah that's really good yeah yeah I,
3: I think that those humble origins are important i mean I, it's it, it it's almost goes without saying, but i mean i had I, I owned nothing and I, I i lived I had roommates for way too long into my thirties i didn't want to be beholden to money, I wanted to be beholden to the the work that I wanted to be doing, um, Making good stuff. and th- that was prioritized, you know, and like my office space was cheap. Everything was just I, I didn't I didn't want to be flashy. I didn't own a car, um, and that that gave me the freedom to stay laser focused on like doing the kind of work that I was passionate about doing. Um, you know, I started when I started the music when it, when when we were doing a lot of music work, music clients. Um, not a lot of money in that. I'll just give you a tip there, like very little money in that. And that's passion, right? Okay. But then, you know, we would get jobs from agencies that were a bit more corporate. And my, my dad would always say, well, why aren't you putting that on the website? Like, how come you're not advertising that work you did with BP or IBM or Coca-Cola? And I'm like, well, A, of all, it's not really my work. It was, you know, spinning out from an agency. But but that's not what I want to build my business into. So I'm going to keep it on this narrow focus. And it didn't make me, I mean, I definitely did not make as many probably Um, big clients early on as I could have, but it was really important to me to have that focus and to maintain that. And I think, you know, being conservative about money, like keeping things within a narrow scope, like allowed me the freedom to really pursue my focus.
0: I will say this, just building on that for a second, because I also do a lot of independent creative work and I'm a creator. And I say that because on this topic of money, refurbished Macs, that's the way to go. <laughs> Same <laughs> or <like> here, yeah. <laughs> buying stuff off <laughs> a Craigslist, one. buying stuff secondhand, downloading a free trial of a software, you know, seeing if there's a university where you can rent something. There's a lot of options where it's like, you don't have to just go buy like the most expensive iMac and the most expensive camera on the market. And if you can't afford that, you can't create. There's a lot of options out there where you can like, you know, rent, trial, um, you know, you get the yeah. refurbished version of something, and it's like it'll work. Just this laptop that I have done about seven hundred podcasts on over the last thirty. Nice. Uh, like I've had this for like the last six or seven years. This is a refurbished laptop, and it has produced honestly at least five hundred of my last eight hundred podcasts. So, don't yeah, we, spend more money than you need to.
3: We always had like these really, and that's and you can turn that into an advantage. I mean, we had these really like um, broken down artist spaces for our first two offices and. I, I- i fucking love them um they and they had character like and that's something that I wasn't actually our current office <laughs> has more character than it does polish and i I embrace that and it becomes part of who you are, and like i think I don't think there's anything wrong with like turning something that isn't like traditionally polished and awesome in everyone else's book like that might be for me, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, being being a cheap ass is is pretty important. <laughs> honestly, really is. You have to cut corners. Any business that I have, I I, I try to save and maneuver without making it look like I maneuvered. You know, like you would have never known that this Mac was uh, was refurbished. You know, it looks great. You know, yeah. it's it's really about just making it work. Um, that's how I was able to stay alive. Honestly, is to be able to cut corners. I have restaurants, and the restaurant business will teach you a lot about being cheap and maneuvering around stuff. You know, um, the biggest issue in the restaurant business is the food cost, and it's a food waste, and how to turn that waste into profit. Um, and that's something that a lot of people—that's why a lot of a lot of businesses fail, and the restaurant business fails because they don't know how to make that trash into into money. You know. Make it into employee food. Just an example, like if you're cutting meats or whatever it is, like you, you can save a portion of that meat and make it into soup, and if your employees are free, or make like a free, or you know, make it like a special of the day, whatever it may be. But I'm just saying, being uh, frugal,
3: frugal, frugal.
2: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> being frugal is 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 important on any level. You can be a multi. Have you noticed a lot of the rich people are very uh, cheap? Have you noticed <laughs> A lot of the or people no? who
0: stay rich.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's how they say rich: is that being able to know how to maneuver and being able to know how to save and spend when you're supposed to spend. That's my theory, and that's the way I look at things, and I'll never stop looking at things that way. It's I used to drive a very expensive car, and I sold it because it just it it made no sense anymore. It was stupid, honestly, uh, and that goes back to what you were saying about being flashy and stuff. And it was I mean it wasn't such a, it was more like I wanted to buy the car because I wanted it, but then it became. It just didn't look right. Clients began to treat me differently. People started to act a little weird around me, and it just—what kind of card you have? It huh? <laughs> doesn't matter. But <laughs> it was nice. Don't get me wrong. It was great. <laughs> but I kept it for only one year because it just—it didn't define who I was, and it just—it made me feel a weird way. And it shouldn't make me feel weird, like any you know worse or whatever. But I just didn't. It just didn't feel right, and it didn't look good on my company either. Like I shouldn't be driving whatever car I was driving and have them <laughs> not that. drive nice cars as well. Like their reflection, like we are reflection on each other, you know? So like with all the employees and it just doesn't, it doesn't look right when your boss is driving up in a nice ass car and you're driving away in a Honda, which was what I have now. I have a Honda, which is great. I love it.
3: I think what you're saying too is that like, it's, you, you want to focus on, you want to have, you want to be, you want to prioritize. Yeah. I mean, you, know? and, like, you, if you that's want priority, not your priority, then but you, but, but you not your priority. But you also want to
2: be a role model. You know, and say, hey guys, like you don't need to have these things to do whatever it is that you want, or it does. They're they're meaningless, in my opinion. But yeah, that's essentially what it is.
0: <laughs> so this has been incredible. Uh, let's give it up for our panelists, uh, Nail Shahadi, Chris Ican her, and Stephen Walsh. Thank you guys so much. We are going to open up to Q and A here in just a moment, and thank you guys all for being such an awesome audience. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.